Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. Uniting coaches at every level of the game, around the love of the game. We are United Soccer Coaches. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. It's championship time on our United Soccer Coaches podcast. And as you know, we talk to all of our champions and we start that process today. Up first, though, Dave Nolan. He has Georgetown undefeated and in the College Cup. They play the North Carolina Tar Heels Friday, 5 o'clock at Wakeman Soccer Park on ESPNU. It's his second College Cup in the last three years. Dave Nolan kicks us off. Then Sasho Sarosky. What a season. The toughest schedule I think a men's soccer team has ever faced. Maryland got Got through it. They're back in the Elite Eight for the 12th time in 26 amazing years at Maryland. Sasso Soroski will follow Dave Nolan. Then we talk to the championship coaches. NJCAA in the books, Division Three and Division One. At Division Three for the third time in NJCAA Division Three history, the same school won the men and women. Richland College, and they're the same school that has done it all three times. Sean Worley won his seventh title coaching the Richland College Thunder Ducks men's team. Scott Toops helped the women to their fourth title as they get the double. At the NJCAA Division One level, the men, Pima Community College, David Cosgrove, been with the program since 98. He's a Hall of Famer with the NJCAA. He gets Pima, their first national championship. And how about Monroe College and New Rochelle? Marcus DiBernardo, 11 years coaching the men. This year he decides to coach both. First year coaching the women. They win the national championship, knocking off last year's winner, Tyler Junior College from Texas. All four of those coaches coming up as well. We kick off, though, with Dave Nolan, head coach of the Georgetown women's soccer team. They're in the College Cup this weekend in Cary. Still managing your club or league on paper and spreadsheets? Go paperless with Team Snap. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, they have way fewer paper cuts. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to teamsnap.com to find out more. Now, once again, here's our host, Dean Linky. This is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. I am Dean Linky, and down the stretch we go. It's College Cup time for NCAA Division I women. All four number one seeds have made it. Florida State, your defending champion, Stanford. And in the first game, it's the North Carolina Tar Heels. And the Georgetown Hoyas. The Hoyas led by their 15-year top man, Dave Nolan. And they come in like Stanford, undefeated, 21-0-3. Just an amazing season that continues. And Dave Nolan kicks off our show. Dave, thanks for being with us. Yes, uh, good morning, Dean. Happy to happy to be here. All right, so first off, let's get to the 21-0-3, and then we'll talk College Cup. 24 games without a loss in this sport, Coach, at this level, that's pretty spectacular. Yeah, uh, I guess we must be doing something right. It's 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 certainly you know a, a result of a lot of hard work and a lot of sacrifices the kids have made. And along the way, we've we've kind of gotten some very good results against some very good teams. So it's a means towards the end, but it's uh, it's not the end. The end is that pinnacle. You're now in your second College Cup in just the last three years. What did you learn from your visit in 2016? Well, really, it's it's all the stuff off the field that if you don't get on top of it. Uh, can be uh, distractions 
I mean, in today's age, social media, uh, the kids' uh, love for social media can, can present challenges in itself. But then all the other stuff, I mean, the last time we, we were supposed to be at North Carolina and we got shipped out west to play in San Jose, and that resulted in, you know, travel. And then when you get out there, there's a lot of obligations in terms of um, meetings, in terms of media, You've got family coming out, uh, you've got alums arriving, you've got to organize tickets, um, make sure all your people can, can come see you play, and that sometimes it's easy to get distracted from what the real thing is, which is the game. And then I think the second part of that as well is you can get caught up in the occasion and be distracted by the occasion and not be focused on what you're trying to do, and which is to win the game and then to win a national championship. Um, and I felt we did a good job of that the first time round. Our men's program had obviously been to a college cup, and I was able to lean on Brian Weiss uh, for some ideas about how to handle some things. And I felt we were very well organized coming out. We had all the support staff we needed that could take care of a lot of the stuff. And ultimately, it left the kids just to focus on the game and, and trying to win the game. And, and in 2016, we gave a very good account of ourselves. Unfortunately, losing one nothing to a very good USC team, Southern California, who ended up went on and, and won the national championship, beating West Virginia in the final. Um, but I came away from it feeling like we came, we showed up, we played well, and we didn't let the occasion get to us. So I think that experience will serve our kids very well because our juniors, our current juniors and seniors, will have experienced that. You know, a lot of times they talk about coach defense wins championships. It doesn't hurt in this game, though, to score 11 goals in four games and allow only two through your first four in the NCAA tournament. That's a lot of goal scoring. you got to be happy with your offensive production. Yeah, and, and, and against good teams. I mean, you know, a Baylor team this past weekend, um, you know, we, we scored three and and we're probably a little bit unfortunate not to score a few more. Um, you know, we, 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 we took advantage of a of a, a Duke team that had picked up a couple of injuries in the game and through the season, and, and we stuck four past them. Um, so we definitely feel like we can score goals. Let's learn a little bit about your team, and obviously we'll be watching uh, on television, and some of us in the area will be going to the game. But uh, tell us about uh, the key players through the spine of your team, Coach. I think for us, it starts in goal. Um, Ariel Checkman, uh, who's a fifth year with us, um, you know, transferred into us after a couple of years at UCLA and has had three years playing with us. Um, and it's just been tremendous. I mean, she picked up, I believe, her 15th shootout of the season this past weekend in 21 games. She had 17 last year, led the nation shootouts last year. She had 17 her first year. Uh, so Ariel's a big piece of, of what we do. And we've got a back four, uh, very good athletically, um, led very well by a, a senior in Jenna Stout, um, and just have some kids that you know take a lot of pride in not giving up goals. Um, but you know, defending always starts from the front, and when you've got forwards that are willing to track and you've got forwards that are willing to press, um, it just makes it harder for teams to play out. And um, I think defensively, I just think, you know, we're, we're a good team. We just we don't give up a lot. Tough challenge. The Tar Heels, they're always there, it seems like. And, of course, Chapel Hill, you know, less than 30 miles away. Uh, I think it's only like about 20 miles, you know, the legend that is Anson Dorrance. Does that change the way you approach this game, Coach? Well, you know, better people than me have said, you know, 
plenty of wonderful things about Anson um, and all very well deserved I mean he's obviously a legend in our game um, what he's done for the sport has been incredible and um, you know and he still has has the hunger um, as he matures let's say um, he still has the hunger and the passion to get out and compete every day so you know for these guys the expectation is always to win a national championship and always to be a final force in particular when they're in carry i know they get upset if they're not invited to the party um but you know my kids you know we're up for the challenge um we're looking at this as being a good game and we feel if we play well, we have every chance to win the game. And what about the all four number one seeds? Clearly the committee knew what they were doing, but uh, that really is pretty special, right? The four number one seeds all right there? Yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely. And, and you know, I know in the in the soccer world, um, you know, there's, there's so many people with so many different opinions. And, and there was probably some people questioning our right to a number one seed. Um, but I think we proved it. I think our body of work over the season, um, I think the fact that, you know, we've now gone and done what maybe some people didn't expect we would do uh, proves that we were very worthy of a number one seed. And, and you know, the, the committee do a, a great job of – it's not easy because of the criteria they have to use. Um, but when they get it right, it proves that the criteria uh, is the right criteria. So, uh, yeah, it's a credit to all four number one seeds that they made it this far. I asked you this before when we talked to you back in 2016 when you made that run, but uh, your boys across the pond, do they give you any shtick uh, for this long run coaching women? Um, some some do. Um some kind of haven't figured it out, but I think all over the world we're starting to see a, a greater emphasis um, on the women's side, and not only in Ireland where I'm from, but you know you can you can see what's happening now in the in the world stage that it's no longer the U.S. dominating in every age group. So there's far more interest on the women's side, and there's far more resources put into the women's side. So I think people are more fascinated by the fact that it's college and kind of maybe not a professional kind of level there. I think when People at home, they get to know more about what we do, the the attention the game gets, the resources we have. I think their their kind of mind is a little bit uh, blown by by that. And what about along those lines? You know, you're in the national team pool for Ireland at the youth level. What made you say, you know what, I want to play in college in the United States at Seton Hall? Very easy. I was vertically challenged. Uh, growing up for us it was always a situation where um, if you were good enough you went across the pond to England and uh, unfortunately I stopped growing at the right bowl height of 5 foot 10 and it's funny I look at the goalkeepers today and you're looking at goalkeepers who are 6 foot 5 and 6 foot 6 I definitely would have had no chance Uh, but when I was younger you know I had a couple of trials with a couple of of teams Um, but you stop growing, and then all of a sudden you start looking at, okay, well, what other, what, could, what other good options are out there? And, and at that stage, I guess soccer was really kicking off here on the men's side. Um, and I was fortunate enough to, to get a scholarship to go out to Seton Hall in New Jersey. Yeah, you got your bachelor's degree in finance. You also got a master's. And obviously you decided uh, pretty early on, though, that uh, coaching was going to be your thing, right, Dave? Yeah, there was, uh, there was also a spell teaching as well. Uh, I have a master's in education. And I was a fourth grade teacher, so I kind of, I kind of rambled into coaching, kind of, you know, in the college game more by chance. Um, I had an opportunity to help out at, at Seton Hall with Betty Ann Kemp and the women's team, and really enjoyed it. And before I knew it, I was kind of moving into the coaching world and moving out of the, the uh, the education world. 
and and I'm the better for it. Finally, as we wrap up here, obviously 15 years at Georgetown, you've built it into a national power now. You haven't lost a game. What has made that place so special for you, Coach? I think the people, uh, I mean, Georgetown's a special place. I mean, obviously the school's academic reputation sells itself, you know, not only nationally but internationally. Um, I think our location here in Washington, D.C. makes it a pretty cool place to, to live and spend four years. And it's been piece by piece, block by block, year by year, um, getting the soccer program better, raising the standards, uh, creating a stronger culture. And, and ultimately, it really boils down to recruiting good kids. And, and I feel that's something that we've, we've kind of gotten a good handle on is uh, not only the type of kids we need to recruit to be successful here at Georgetown, uh, but the type of kids that we need to be successful on the soccer field at Georgetown. And, and now, certainly these last couple of years, the kids that we need to, that can recruit, or sorry, we recruit that can compete at a national level. And we've done very well at that because we don't get... To be honest, we don't get the blue chippers, uh, national team kids that are heading off to the UCLA's and Stanford's and Dukes of the world. But what we do get is we get kids who feel they're every bit as good and, and have that kind of chip on their shoulder to prove that they're every bit as good. Which is why this weekend we're, we're looking forward to measuring ourselves against uh, these, uh, these other schools. 21-0-3, last thing your coaching staff was recognized again and one of the things United Soccer Coaches did a while ago is they made it bigger than just the head coach. It takes a, a whole team, right, as part of your coaching staff? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm very fortunate in the staff we have here. I mean, you know, my assistants, Lindsay Hokinson and Kristen Meyer, and my volunteer assistant, Alex Minton. Um, and then the backup staff that we have, our trainers, um, our administration, and, and, and our athletic director, uh, Lee Reed, who's just, you know, the big joke around here now is that he calls himself the soccer AD uh, <laughs> because of the success that our men's and women's program yeah. you know, have had. And he's our biggest fan, you know, and, and it's great that he knows all the kids. Um, you know, he's not just focusing on, you know, basketball, which is our premier sport here. Um, he cares about all the kids, and not just my team, all the sports. Uh, and I think that rubs off on the kids, on our girls, because they know how much he cares, and they love to see him at the games. And it comes from the top down, and I think that's what's that's what's special about this place is the people. You can see Dave Nolan's Georgetown Hoyas Friday, 5 o'clock on ESPNU, or come out to Wakeman Soccer Park in Cary, North Carolina. The College Cup, second time in three years as he's building a phenomenal program there. And Dave, you're always so gracious when we want to talk to you. I appreciate your time. Good luck on your travels down here, and most especially, good luck on Friday. Great. Thanks, Dean. We'll see you in Cary. We will indeed. Coming up next, the men are down to the Elite Eight, and here we go. The Maryland Terrapins back in the Elite Eight again after being out a couple years. Sasha Sarosky, 26 years as his team in the Elite Eight for the 12th time. Incredible success. Sasha is next on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. 
Hi, folks. This is Dean Linky with a special reminder. Remember, we're less than a week away from the convention price increase. Make sure you register for the 2019 convention in Chicago by 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time next Wednesday, December 5th. That will secure the best rate on your registration and meal functions. Visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org and register today. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. I want to thank Dave Nolan, who's got his team in the College Cup for Women Division One, And now with his 12th appearance in the Elite Eight in just 26 years. And by the way, 25 of those 26 years, he's won at least 10 games. Two-time national champion, multiple college cups. Talking about the great Sasha Sarovsky, the head coach of Maryland. Sasha, thanks for being with me. Dean, great to be with you as always. Yeah, you know, and I love this season for you because last Last year was tough down the stretch, and this year, coming off of that, the most ridiculous schedule I've seen in 25 years of broadcasting. I mean, the toughest schedule ever. You got through it, and perhaps it's made your team stronger. You're in the Elite Eight. Yeah, Dean, you know, they they say that those things that don't break you make you stronger, and I think that that was the case with our team this year. I, I, I purposely wanted to to put them in the pressure cooker at the beginning of the year, knowing that if we survived it, uh, that we would be in a very good place. Uh, last season was uh, the most disappointing finish in probably my, my 26 years uh, at Maryland. Uh, you know, we were undefeated through early October, and then we couldn't score a goal, couldn't find a win, and we certainly played some really uh, good teams, all tournament teams, but uh, we still expect to, to win some of those games, and uh, you know, so we spent the entire spring and summer kind of, uh, you know, re-looking at ourselves uh, from inside out and and maybe resetting our identity on the field, off the field, and and kind of uh, strengthening the culture uh, in certain areas. And it's paid dividends. Uh, right now, we are playing our, our best soccer of the year, uh, and uh, looking forward to a great matchup on uh, on Friday against a, a team that's having the the best uh, season in their history, uh, Kentucky. They're an, an exceptional team, and we're looking forward to that matchup. Yeah, that's Friday, 6 o'clock. You can check it out on the SEC Network and ESPN Plus as Maryland goes into Lexington to take on a very good Kentucky team. We talked to their coach last week, and they're obviously a high-flying team. They can score a lot of goals, and they've put some beatdowns on teams that uh, you've played against, including Indiana. Well, yeah, Dean, Kentucky right now is the only team in the country uh, that's still playing that is uh, ranked in the top five, both in goals for and goals against average. So, uh, Johan has, has got a very mature team that's very good at both sides of the field, and that, that makes it a very difficult matchup. Um, so, so yeah, but we're looking forward to it. You know, we've played against some good teams, but uh, they present some some different challenges. Uh, certainly, having a, a guy like JJ Williams up top scoring 19 goals, he's playing at an extremely high level right now. Uh, but they also are, are very good in the back line. They've only given up 10 goals all year. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, but you know, we'll, we'll be ready for the for challenge. Well, you will be because you got the swagger back. You know, you took Indiana to the line. It came down as a tie, and you've won all your games. Now coming into this one and like you said, you put him through that battle-tested schedule, starting off with Stanford and Virginia and Georgetown, all these ridiculous teams. And now you've got freshmen stepping up, and you've got the leaders that you wanted to step up, and Amar Sadich and Donovan Pines and even Elney getting one. They're stepping up at the right time too, right, Coach? We always knew we have a good goalkeeper and a very strong back line and that we were going to be fairly good on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, now we've raised that level uh, to a higher level, but what's improved for us is our ability to to score goals. Um, 
you know, early in the year we struggled to score goals, but it took a little while for those relationships and maybe some of the roles to get defined a little bit. And you know, right now I think we 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 have uh, greater confidence, but also a greater understanding of the spacing and, and how we want to attack. So uh, that's been good to see. And I think uh, I think right now we're we're you know been good on both ends of the field, so I think it should be an intriguing matchup on Friday. Sasha Swarovski, 26 years at Maryland, 384, 143, and 53. That's a lot of wins, the best winning percentage you can find as well. And Sasha, based on uh, what you've had to go through, does this make this team like a little different team in the sense of it's even more special knowing what you've been through? Well, I, I think you always appreciate your successes when you've had uh, uh, Maybe uh, some challenges, or you know, quote unquote, some failures. And I, I think you know, we've been so successful that sometimes we haven't been able to celebrate our successes as well. So I think this year, this is very gratifying after the way last season ended, uh, and for us to turn around, like you said, against a great schedule, and to now be playing our best soccer, of, of, you know, maybe over the last three years, uh, is gratifying. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I think this has been a, a fun group, and it's been really uh, really good to see this uh, senior class that uh, um, you know is really chopping at the bit to get into a college cup. You know, we we have a history of having every one of our players who stays for four years get into the college cup. That was broken last year. We we had two seniors that didn't quite get there. Um, so I think right now uh, we're, we're, we're certainly excited to hopefully keep that alive and, and see if we can punch a ticket to Santa Barbara. A lot of people talk about you know the fact that Stanford has won three in a row, but we we need to remind people that Elite Eights ninety eight oh two oh three oh four oh five oh eight oh nine ten twelve thirteen fifteen and a bunch of those years you were in the College Cup, you won it in oh five and oh eight. So certainly you know what it takes to do what Stanford is doing now. However, the dynamic of the game has changed a little bit with the academies and the immediate homegrown and that type of thing. How have you had to adjust as a high-level, successful college coach? It's been real challenging uh, to to uh, keep your talented players, uh, well, first of all, talented recruits from even coming to school. I think every every top program now um, is sort of on pins and needles whether the kids they sign will actually show up to campus. And I think the homegrown uh, system that MLS has where they can sign these kids anytime, place. It's been real challenging um, because what happens is when when you know you don't get the elite players come here, then you, then you're you're you know trying to fill holes late, and sometimes you're taking international kids, you're taking kids, and and, and maybe they're not at the same level of talent. But even more importantly, is when they leave after their you know freshman or sophomore year, and they're not in in here for their junior senior year. That's when you have a leadership drop off uh, because the talented players, in many cases, are are your you know, locker room leaders as well. So you're constantly searching for uh, leadership on the field. I think that's a challenge for, for, you know, certainly has been for our program and and for a lot of uh, other programs. So you're constantly trying to develop leaders maybe a little bit earlier than maybe they're ready for and uh, in these key moments in key games but you know it, it's part of the uh, infrastructure that we all have to deal with right now and I think we've all adapted pretty well and I think you know college soccer uh, still is producing players for national teams is still producing players for MLS teams and it's still uh, drawing a lot of fans and a lot of interest uh, and yet having said all that as you know we're always looking to make it better and you know, we've been working really, really hard at 
try to make uh, college soccer a uh, a two semester sport and move the championships into the spring and that's that's something that we're all committed to I'm still committed to and as we play in some of these frigid horrible conditions in the fall it just motivates me and our coaches a lot more to to get the schedule right um, and uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully having some positive news for everybody in the next uh you know, six to 12 months. Well, it, it does got to happen, actually. And uh, you and I talked after I called the uh, NC State-NCA game. And, you know, this was in North Carolina. And I just felt like these conditions were horrendous. And you pointed out, you know, in Michigan, they had snow up in New Hampshire. I mean, it's it just, it's not, it's not fair, right, for these athletes. Well, Syracuse has had to move their game twice in the last three years to uh, uh, to a field other than their own, and I think lost both times. And it's unfair to uh, it's it's really unfair to the student athletes. Most of all, you know, you work your entire sometimes your entire you know life to to get to a, to a, become a Division One college athlete, to get in the NCAA tournament, to have the chance to advance, and in many cases you're playing in horrible weather conditions where. You know, uh, the fans are not coming out uh, because it's it, it's not a pleasant experience, and it shouldn't be like that. It, it just shouldn't be like that. It, and it's it's very important for you know all of our administrators and our fans and coaches to continue to discuss this and to continue to put pressure on the decision makers to say, look, you know, just because this was the case in you know 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s of the previous century. It uh, doesn't make it right for this century. Um, a lot of things have changed, and and there's no reason why we should not adopt the model that we've been discussing for the good of the game, for the good of the student athletes, um, on so many different levels. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm, I'm very motivated. I'm, you know, and I know there's some naysayers out there, but we're going to get this thing done because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, and I'm all in as well. And please know that you have this as a forum if you want to talk more about it with other key uh, people, whether it's with the NCAA or whatever. You can use this forum to to talk about it. Just a couple more questions. We'll let you go. How about uh, you were rolling in the ACC when Maryland decided to go to the Big Ten? You were running through that. You came into the Big Ten. You're running through that. A lot of speculation. Hey, ACC is the best conference. Now you look down, there's eight teams remaining, three of them from the Big Ten, just one ACC team, and you eliminated two of the ACC teams. That's a big statement for the Big Ten. It is. It's been a good year for the Big Ten. Uh, you know, we were a little top-heavy this year. Um, you know, I think the top four or five teams were as good as any teams in the country this year, and and uh, and, and I think uh, some of the teams that didn't have great years are certainly on the mend, and I think uh, you're going to see the Big Ten continue to strengthen. Of course, the ACC, uh, you know, I, I've loved my time there, and uh, I have massive respect for it, and, it, and certainly has, from top to bottom, has the most competitive conference in, in the country country uh but you know you see the success of the big 10 now and you know when i when i when maryland moved to the big 10 my goal was to help the big 10 become the best conference in the country um just the competitive side of 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 myself uh i always want to make things better when i'm a part of it and and i think uh i think with uh with teams like indiana and michigan state michigan wisconsin and you know the years that they've had the last few years. Obviously, Northwestern's always been good. Uh, you know, Penn State's on the on the rebound. Rutgers will be on the rebound. Ohio State is on the rebound. So I think I think we've had some great teams and great coaches in this league. And and I think you know we have the Big Ten Network, which is an incredible platform for the good of the game. So I I think the Big Ten is on its way to uh, to raising the level of college soccer. And and uh, you know I I still would love to 
implement an ACC Big Ten challenge like they have in college basketball. Uh, this is a great week. It's all over the network, and I'd love to see an ACC Big Ten challenge in college soccer. And particularly if we get this two-semester model, I think that opens up the opportunity to grow the game through something like that where you know, you've got arguably the two best conferences in the nation uh, that can promote the game. You talk about goals and you know a goal to win another championship, a goal to do the full academic year season, and then a goal to have a permanent stadium there, Sasho. And just so people get it right, and even it was kind of cool that you played NC State because George Kiefer under Debbie Yao, they're trying to implement uh, what exactly you've done there at Maryland with putting the stands behind the goals and creating that atmosphere. And he tips his hat to you before every game when the kids show up as well. If anybody deserves a stadium, as we talk about the house that Sasho built, Ludwig Field, the crew, it's you. What do we got to do to make that happen? Because no one deserves it more. Well, it, it, it's a process, you know. Um, I, I've been pushing for that uh, for, for a permanent facility for a good 15 years now, um, and uh, just like just like in coaching, you know, you have to find the balance between urgency and patience. Uh, it's the same thing here. There's a process here. There's a lot of people at the University of Maryland that that. Uh, do believe that we need a uh, you know a big time standalone soccer facility um, and uh, and we're, we've been moving a needle. There's been some positive signs uh, this year, Dean. Uh, but there's always a few obstacles that come up when you least expect them. So um, as I've said before, when I start something, I finish it. Um, we will have a standalone big time soccer facility at the University of Maryland, and and hopefully we're going to see the beginnings of it very very soon. Um, so keep your fingers crossed, but uh, that that uh, that vision has not wavered, and I think it will become reality in the near future. Sasso Saraski is Maryland Terrapins. They take on Kentucky Friday evening. You can check them out on the SEC Network. Good luck against Kentucky, Coach, as you try to make yet another College Cup. Thanks, Dean. Always great to be with you, and I appreciate all the great work you do to promote the college game. Sasso Saraski, my mom always teases me as well as I love to say his name during Big Ten Network games and we do a lot of Maryland games because they have such a great tradition and great crowds and speaking of promoting the college game how about promoting our four junior college champions men and women at the NJCAA one and three levels we'll talk to all four championship coaches back to back to back to back coming up next right here on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Managing your club or league shouldn't feel like a second job. With Team Snap, it doesn't have to. They help customers save their time and sanity on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to find out more. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. I want to thank Dave Nolan, the head coach of the Georgetown women there in the College Cup. Also, Sasha Sarosky. He's got the Maryland Terrapins back in the Elite Eight for the 12th time in 26 amazing years. We started the program telling you that we're going to talk to the champions, and that's exactly what we're doing. How about Monroe, the Monroe Mustangs, and new Rochelle Marcus Bernardo in his first year coaching the women, 11 years coaching the men. He takes the women to the national championship and Marcus DiBernardo joins me now. Marcus, congratulations and thanks for being on the program. Thanks 
Thanks very much. How about that, though? First year coaching the women, and you take home the title. That's a nice little prize for your athletic director. Yeah, I, I wish I could take credit for that, but you know, it was a great group of girls, and you know, the coach who, who left us, uh, Edison Sanchez, did a fantastic job recruiting, and he left to go to Manhattan College as the men's assistant. But he was a former player here at, at Monroe College. Took us to the 2011 National Championship Final Four. Later became a coach with the men, and then the women here. So he he really helped build that team and my assistant coach who's assistant for the women he runs the JV team for the men and he's the assistant for the men with me Jonathan Avila uh, a former player here as well took to the 2014 uh, national final with the men against Tyler so we have a lot of former players here at the school who, who have joined the coaching staff and they really believe in what we do and our goalkeeper coach for the women is Buna Kundal who is with the MLS with the Red Bulls Colorado Rapids for good eight years the captain of Senegal, a couple African Nations Cups, so we really have a strong staff. So I have very little to do with it. <laughs> you know, we have such a good staff. Yeah, talk about though the decision uh, when your coach moved on, as you said, to Manhattan to say, you know what, I am going to go ahead and oversee both teams. Well, it was really late, so we're we're talking, you know, the end of June, early July. And, you know, we, we didn't want to make a, a big change at that time. And for me, I have coached women before, so I used to coach at uh, Truman High School, Brandeis High School, coached at um, a bunch of club teams in, in Connecticut for on the women's side. So, so it, it wasn't new to me, coaching the women, but at the same time, I... I ran the same training session every single day. So we, we run the women's training session from, you know, 9 to 11 and the men's from uh, 11 to 1, and I kept the same field set up, and we ended up eventually playing the, the same system for for both teams. How about that? What a, what a great story. And with the men, you've taken your team to a couple finals as well, and usually the men or women, you run into Tyler at some point. They won the double last year. You beat Tyler in the championship game 3-1. to one. Talk about what went right on the championship day. Well, yeah, actually, it's funny because uh, on the men and women's side, we actually beat Tyler uh, two, two, two times in three days. So we, we beat the men down in Daytona, and then with the women, we beat them in the final. So, But Tyler, you know, obviously Tyler is the model program. That's They're always the team to beat. And, you know, I, I actually got on a bus in, in Daytona, Florida, on uh, Saturday morning, and I made game time by 20 minutes for the women's final. And, and that was it we got there and the first half I kind of observed that first half and then we made some it was a tough game we made some switches at halftime and it ended up coming in our favor um, it was fantastic final that was one of the most exciting games uh, for me a long time clearly uh, Monroe's a special place for you as you've been there now 11 years coaching as well it's in New Rochelle New York tell people uh, what makes Monroe College so special it really is like a family environment. So the college actually has three campuses, one in St. Lucia, one in the Bronx, and one in New Rochelle. Obviously, we don't get to St. Lucia too much, but the it is, a, I'd say, about 1,200 kids live on campus. And out of that, there's probably almost 600 athletes. So the sports teams are very competitive in, from, from men's baseball to women's basketball, volleyball, football, you name it. All our sports are, are top level. And it creates this really nice family environment, and everybody knows each other. The classes are small. There's, there's 20 kids in a class. The professors know everybody. So it, it, it's a place that 
is really, really great place to start. And they spend their two years with us and then move on. And everybody always talks about, hey, I, I love Monroe. So even when they go to the big NCAA D1s after us, they always say, you know what, I really love my time back at Monroe. Well, you love Monroe. You also love coaching. Tell us a little bit about you, where you grew up, where you played, and when the coaching bug bit you. Oh, coaching bug bit me early, early on, right? So um, my dad, we didn't have soccer in our town, so my dad started our first soccer league in Middlefield, Connecticut, and and he was the one. So he, he decided he, he wanted to get us into soccer, and we started this, this Middlefield Youth Soccer, and from there on it just kind of grew, and my dad was always kind of my role model with that. And then I ended up attending uh, Central Connecticut State University, so I played at Central Connecticut State under Sean Green, who's still there. And I ended up coaching at Central Connecticut State for a, a couple years under Sean, and then various high school jobs in Connecticut, Portland High School, Valley Regional, Platt High School in Meriden, coached at South Central, which he coached Coron, um, all over the place. And then I decided to move to, to New York City, and from New York City, coached various clubs, various high schools, and then decided to get back into the college game at, at Monroe College. You know about United Soccer Coaches, formerly NSCAA. Have you been able to attend some conventions and learn and grow as a coach? For sure, yeah. I've, I've attended plenty of conventions. I've, I have my premier diploma. You know, a lot of, I'm close to a lot of the, the former presidents and the, the, the national goalkeeper coach, Giovanni Passini. Like, these are really, really good people. It's such an important organization. And, you know, I, I, I am involved in coaches' education myself. I, I run a, you know, I have, I think it's the 25th most popular soccer coaches blog in the world I run. I have a YouTube station that ranks in the top 20 in the world for soccer coaching education. I, I run uh, a, a certification course for coaches around the world online. So, yeah, coaching education is, is a big, big thing, and I always look to United Soccer Coaches for, for information for sure. Finally, Coach, just put a stamp on the quality and level of play at NJCAA Division One. It's a pretty good soccer right? You know, across the board, if you look at where we've placed kids on the men's and the women's side over the years, and, you know, you're looking at my captain last year that was one of the top players for North Carolina State. My my uh, center mid just signed for North Carolina State, so that'll be two of the starting center mids at North Carolina State and the ACC on the men's side will be there. On the women's side, you have players you know, who played at Oklahoma State. You have the University of Central Florida, Louisville. I mean, you're talking that we're placing players at the top schools from UConn, uh, all over the place. So, um, And when you look at the JUCO tournament, you look at JUCO in large. I mean, these are players who are affecting the college game on the men and women's side at the highest level. You know, I called that Olympico goal from Gabriel Machado for NC State. I do a lot of their games. I love George Kiefer, and that kid is amazing. He has scored some galazos this year. That's your boy, right? So, yeah, Machado Machado is my guy. I love Machado. He's such a great kid, such a hard worker. So next year, George Asamani is going to be there, and George is a really rare talent. He's a he's a kid that I would expect to have an MLS career, uh, if not a career overseas somewhere. And we might have one more that's going to go to the ACC, maybe to play in that midfield. You might have a center midfield with three Monroe College players next year. So, you know, that gets us excited. I've had a long relationship with, with Coach Kiefer over the years. So, 
he's a guy that I really trust and and runs a great program. Obviously, we gave him Gonzalo Rodriguez, a great player from Chile when he was at USF. So, you know, relationship is good. And 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 JUCO is you know we are serving the NCA really well. We're sending a lot of kids on. What a great tie! And I'm so glad that you reminded me about Gabriel Machado because he was outstanding for NC State and love George Kiefer, love calling their games. So well done. Did you see that Olympico, the corner that he he hit in directly this year? Yeah, yeah, I did. I saw a bunch of his goals this year. He's he had some really good free kicks. He had some good goals. Where he, he texts me all the time. He's like, you know, we we stay in contact on a, almost a weekly basis. And you know, he he's a kid that you know has the ambitions to get to the highest level. And he even to this day, coach, what can I do better? And you know, I, I give him a little bit here and there, but you know, he, he's a extremely motivated young man. Marcus Bernardo, the head coach for the Monroe Mustangs, the men's and women's teams. They knock off Tyler to take home the NJCAA Division I Women's National Championship. Thanks for being with us, Coach. Congratulations and uh, continued success there at Monroe. Thanks for having me. Congratulations to Marcus Bernardo, the head coach of the Monroe Mustangs. They win the women NJCAA Division I title, taking home the men's Division I title for junior college is Pima Community College. They went 26-2. They've been led by David Cosgrove since 1998. They've been close a couple times. They win their first national championship. He's already in the NJCAA Soccer Hall of Fame. David Cosgrove, the head coach of Pima Community College, your men's Division I junior college national champion up next. Hello, folks. Dean Linke with a special reminder from the United Soccer Coaches. If you haven't already registered for the 2019 convention in Chicago, you've got two weeks, two weeks to do so before the price increases. Register by 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time on December 5th and secure the best rate on your registration and meal functions. Visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org and get your registration completed today. Welcome back to the first of several championship editions of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. We always talk to the champions at every level, men and women. That includes junior college, junior college in the books. I want to thank Marcus D. Bernardo from Monroe College. He won the women's title and he actually was coaching the men and he got knocked off by Pima Community College. What a job Dave Cosgrove has done. By the way, he's already in the NJCAA Soccer Hall of Fame. He's been with Pima since 98. They've been close a couple times, but now he can call himself a national champion. They get it done, knocking off Barton by a score of 2-1. to one. And here he is, David Cosgrove, the Hall of Famer. Thanks for being with us. Hey, I appreciate you having me. Well, you've been close a couple times, but to finally get that natty, it's got to be pretty special, right, Coach? Absolutely. It's been a very long journey. You know, uh, I've talked to some people recently, you know, as a player at Pima Junior or Pima Community College in 1988, I was a player and we lost the national final. So in some ways I've been chasing a national title for 30 years, certainly 20 years as a coach. What was it about this team that was able to get it done? You know, I've had some time to reflect on that and I think it's, you know, it seems pretty simple, but uh, of course you don't run across groups like this very often. They just found a way to win a game, um, and they did it every time. They just were so resilient and so confident in their ability to win a game. You know, um, we were we were 13 and one in one goal games this year, and the one game we lost was the very first game of the year. 
So no matter the obstacles, no matter the opposition, um, we just seem to find a way in every situation this year. 26 and 2. And usually, you know, when you're thinking the men, it's you're thinking Steve Clemens and Tyler, right? So it's uh, about time someone else got up there and took it home, right? Yeah. Well, obviously, Tyler is still the program that everybody's chasing. They've been unbelievable since, you know, the late 2000s. Um, you know, and I think they've won six titles in the last like, 10 years and been in. I think like nine of the last 11 national championship games. So uh, they are def- definitely the benchmark. Um, but, you know, the good thing is our conference that we play out of in Arizona typically has three or four teams that are, you know, the top 20. Uh, so we see good competition week in and week out. And whoever comes out of our conference is, you know, able to compete at the national level. We haven't broken through in the recent history, but, um, you know, last year, for instance, two of our teams made it to the national semifinals. Obviously, this year, uh, we, we made it to the national final and won it. So, you know, the, uh, the champion of our area is usually a very competitive team, but, uh, you know, uh, obviously, everybody wants to be where Tyler's at. You think about Tyler, then in your conference, Yavapai, Roger Espinosa, Justin Merrim, they've gone on to incredible success, uh, even on the international level. Uh, how about Pima? Any Roger Espinosas that uh, we might uh, recognize? Uh, we've had a, uh, a couple, you know, in particular, uh, the, probably the most uh, high-profile player from Pima College is Donnie Toya. You know, he's played in MLS for the last five, six years. He's down in Orlando City right now. Uh, so he was a local Tucson kid. He came up through the ranks. You know, he actually played uh, with the Guadalajara, or I'm sorry, with the LA Chivas, and then he went to uh, Montreal. And now he's down in Orlando. So he, he's been around for a while uh, in the MLS. So we just talked to Marcus Di Bernardo, who you had to face. Uh, pretty amazing what he did. He almost pulled the double on his own, right? Coaching both the the men and the women, and and perhaps he did you a favor as well by knocking off Tyler, and and then you're able to beat Monroe College, and then take care of Barton. And you know, Marcus was talking about the fact that you know his men's team has a pipeline to different Division One teams across the country. Is that a key part of your job as well, David? You know, it's something we've developed over the last ten years, in particular, where you know a, a more of a high profile kids are getting better exposure and moving on you know um we're kind of isolated out in arizona you know we're two hours away from any other major city um and there's not many division one programs there's only one division one program in the state of arizona so you know our kids have to either go uh west to california or you know maybe into you know uh into the midwest to get division one programs especially now that you know new mexico's lost their program so, you know, it's a little bit harder for us to, you know, get kids placed, you know, uh, just because of the location and, and the finances of the situation. But I will say, obviously, with the, the profile of the program going up over the last 10 years, more and more of our kids have moved on. You know, we've had kids at Penn State, San Diego State, Grand Canyon, Oregon State. So, we, uh, you know, we, we feel like our best kids now have an opportunity to, you know, be exposed and move on. So, Pima Community College, as you joked about before we came on the air, you call it Pima College because you've been doing it for 30 years. It's going to be hard to, to stop now. I don't blame you for that as well. But uh, clearly, you love it. You played there. Now you've been there forever. Tell everybody what uh, is so special about Pima. Well, you know, it, it's just always been home. You know, Tucson, I've grown up in Tucson, you know, and it's kind of the s- smallest big ta- uh, city in the country. We have about a million people in the surrounding area. But it's still, you know, a very small, connected community, and, and I've been a part of the soccer community, obviously, for a very long time. Um, you know, the backbone of our program is, you know, Southern Arizona kids. You know, we don't we don't have uh, dorms like a lot of the other uh 
schools that we compete against. Our resources are a little bit different in the fact that most of them are, are geared towards taking care of our local community to our local players. So, you know, 80, 90% of our roster typically is a Southern Arizona uh, player. And a lot of these kids I've been able to work with or track with uh, through youth clubs over the last, you know, 10 years. So it gives, it gives me an opportunity to develop a special relationship with a lot of these players. Uh, and, and, and when you can help them into college, help them through college, and help them get to the next level, uh, it's even more rewarding. And, and Pima is a fantastic for our community. It's kind of like the hidden gem. Uh, not many people know about it, but it's, it's the best bang for the buck in, in, in Arizona. You know, they keep, they try to keep the cost of education down, and the job they do educating our kids is fantastic. You know, when you when you get done at Pima, you're definitely ready to move on and be successful at a four-year uh, college or university. Well, let's talk about how you moved on but then came back. You mentioned that uh, in 88 you played for a national championship in the final. What uh, what did you do in between 88 and 98 before you became the head coach? That's a great question. You know, um, you know, I, I looked up start trying to play. Uh, obviously, back then in the late 80s, there wasn't as many opportunities to play professionally or, or even uh, within in the men's college ranks. So I ended up going to the University of Arizona and getting my degree there. Uh, Looked to go into law enforcement, but eventually I decided to go back into education. So I went back to school uh, and I uh, got my teaching credentials. Uh, but eventually, you know, I found the the passion to coach uh, basically equal the passion I had as a player. It was uh, a way for me, to, I think, to still compete without having to obviously be young and fit. Uh, and I've been fortunate enough in, in Tucson to find a position both at Pima and within my youth soccer club that allowed me to coach soccer for a living. And, and you know, I'm very grateful for you know that to both Pima College and to the local youth club, uh, FC Tucson, because I, th- I think I got the greatest job in Tucson of anybody. Well, it's been a pretty amazing last few years here because uh, you got your first national championship this year, but even without a national championship, you're in the NJCAA Hall of Fame for soccer. I got to believe those are two very special moments for you. Those are definitely, you know, some of the highlights of my career, you know, especially professionally. You know, I would say, obviously, this year was the highlight of my professional career. You know, uh, being uh, allowed into the NJCA Hall of Fame is also, obviously, a highlight. And, and we, you know, we, for, for whatever reason, and I've never really been able to put a finger on it, you know, we've, since I took over in 98, we've been kind of a top 20 program, you know, flirting around with the top 10 once in a while. And, uh, and obviously with the Pie in our conference over the last 20 years, that's always been a big hurdle to get over. And since about 2010, we've jumped from a top 20 to what I, I think is a top five program. You know, we unfortunately lost in national semifinals in 2015 and 17. We've been in the national tournament in 2011 and 14. So we've been kind of on the edge, you know, knocking on the door and, and you know, I, you know, this year we kind of got it all done. And, and I think I'm as surprised as anybody that it happened this year. But uh, it's, it's very rewarding. You know, a lot of we've had a lot of great players who haven't been able to achieve what we did. So, you know, for the school and for the alumni, it was a, a terrific result for us this year. Finally, Coach, you're here on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Uh, over the years, as part of your development, have you been able to use United Soccer Coaches in some form? Uh, absolutely. You know, I think any – coach who does a good job is always looking for resources and tools to improve. I think the one thing I, I love about the sport that we, we coach is 
you never know everything about the sport. And the second you think you know everything about it, it humbles you, it teaches you. So you're, you're a constant learner of the game. And, you know, whether it's uh, the magazines, the, uh, the conventions, but most important, I think it's really just the connections you make through coaching that help your continuing education. And I've been very fortunate to, you know, get involved with some fantastic coaches who continue to help me learn and, and to become a better coach. David Cosgrove, the NJCAA Division I Men's Soccer National Champion Head Coach. That's going to work, Coach. Let's see you go for the double next year. Thanks so much for being on the program. Hey, I appreciate your time. So we mentioned doubles, the fact that Monroe College and Marcus DiBernardo came close to being the head coach for both the men and the women national champions at the Division I level. Led Monroe women to the title and lost in the semis to Pima. How about Richland College for NJCAA Division Three? Third time ever the double has been won for men and women. All three times it's been Richland. They do it again this year. And we'll talk to their head coaches, Sean Worley, who's won seven titles, seven titles at Richland College in Dallas. And Scott Toots with the women's team. They've won four titles. They took the double. Sean Worley, Scott Toots. Richland College, the Thunder Ducks, up next. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. As we told you, this is our championship edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. We made a commitment a couple years ago when we started this podcast that we talked to all of our national championship coaches and proof of two things. One, that we've been doing this for a while and two, that we do talk to our championship coaches is coming up now. As Richland College, by the way, as I told you earlier, they pull the double. It's only been done three times at the NJCAA Division Three level. Level where both the men and women's teams won the national championships the same year. Guess what? Richland has done it all three times. They did it again this year. Scott Toops for the women and Sean Worley, who will have that proof that we talked to championship coaches. He'll verify that as we welcome him in. Sean, thanks for being with us. No problem. It's my pleasure, Dean. It's been a couple of years, but always love to come and chat with you. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Back in 2016, when you won the title, we talked to you, right, Coach? Absolutely. It was two times. We had a wonderful run back then. Last year, we kind of fell short, but we're back on top again this year. So it's a lot of fun to get back on top. Sean Worley, the head coach at Richland College, the Thunder Ducks in Dallas, 23 years. Folks, he's got seven, count them, seven national championships. He won it in 2002, 2003, 2004, 2006, 2007, 2016. As he said, he was on this show. He's been the runner-up in 05. 09 and 14 and he gets that number seven this year and coach let's talk about this year because 
when you got in, you said, yeah, this is mine. You guys smoked, I mean, smoked the opposition, including a 6-1 win in the championship game. Am I seeing that right? Yeah, that's incredible. You know, we got into the game. We didn't know what to expect. We played Nassau Community College out of Long Island. Every year we've played them, it's always been a one-goal game. Overtime, penalty kicks, goal in the last five minutes, it's always been that type of game. And we were expecting the same. And they scored first. We're down 1-0. And we went to locker room, down 1-0. And they had us pretty much going through, midway through the second half. We got a, a set piece, put it in the box, and our big center back put in the back of the net. After that, we got another set piece. Boom, same thing happened. Went up 2-1 within five minutes. And then we just let it go because they start to open the game up a little bit, starting to try to get that second goal, and forget about it. We just kept going at them. And, and, and once we broke them down one time, there's no way they were going to stop our guys. It was just nothing that I did. It was all them. We, we work on set pieces because we know in national championship games and, and, and finals, set pieces are critical, crucial, because those games are so tight, defensive. It's not always the best soccer, but set pieces – is what got us back into the game. And once they realized they had to come out and play, our boys just punished them, bottom line. It was, it was beautiful. I mean, I watch the highlight film every day now just to get off to a good start. Well, did you know, having won six already, did you know, Sean, before the season started that uh, you had the Magic Dust this year to win another one? Every year we're competitive. You know, that's one thing I'm proud of. Every year we're competitive. We're top five, top ten, top three. We always, every other year we go to California. And we always played their top dogs. And their top dog, historically, in the last few years, has been Mount San Antonio in Southern California. In 16, we played them on their field, and we beat them. And that was kind of the first time we've done that on their field. Then that year, we won it. That was a good indication. Same thing this year. We went to Mount San Antonio 2018, beat them on their field, which is not easy to do because they're a fine team, a good, solid overall knocking around possession type of team and we beat them again that's when I kind of figured out wow this team does have a chance same kind of indications as, as 16 good starting point and a good building block well I love that uh, you talk about playing those teams in California because of course you're from California you're from San Jose you went to college out there you started coaching out there and yet uh, you found yourself now in Dallas for 23 years talk about your decision to leave California and go to Dallas and clearly Richland a special place because that's a long time to be at the same place with so much success I grew up in San Jose, California, played at West Valley College for two years. It's another strong community college out of Northern California. Matter of fact, that's the second team that we beat over the weekend. When we go to California, we always play a second game. We beat Mount San Antonio as well as West Valley, and they're a top team, so it's kind of ironic and fun to go back and play my alma mater. When I tell the players from their team that I went to West Valley, they all kind of look at me funny, but it's kind of interesting because we had a, a real good team back in the day, and that was back in the Gary St. Clair days, back in the 80s when he was coach West Valley, which was a great foundation for me. I went to De Anza College under Kowant Singh and coached two years there. Personal reasons, I moved to Dallas. I had a, a wonderful wife that was in San Jose, but her family is from the Dallas area. We um, had a daughter. We made a commitment to go to Dallas. From there, I um, got in with Charlie Kadepsky. He's a local soccer 
hero here. Uh, he's been here forever, and he got me started. And then from there, I got lucky and, 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 and got in here at Richmond College in the fall of 1996 and been here ever since. Well, and you've also been involved in youth soccer in that area, right? Absolutely. I was with the Dallas Inner for several years, and they transitioned to FC Dallas. And then lately, I've been doing the um, North Texas ODP. You've been coaching the O2s, the O1s, the um, 2000s. So I've been heavily involved in the ODP these last few years, working with Gary Williamson and everyone here at the North Texas. So it's been fun to see the youth, to see the, the college, to help me to recruit as well. So I go to Dallas every once in a while. In fact, I'm coming in town on the 9th to see the Eagles play the Cowboys. And, uh, cool. you know, I always get to see Dallas it, just the way you would picture it. I mean, at you know the Jerry Jones level. I got to believe Richland, while maybe not the Jerry Jones level, is a pretty special place, right? Uh, talk about uh, the university, the Thunder Ducks. Well, again, we have wonderful support from our administration. One thing that I think we talked about previously is that we have a, a strong ESOL program, where it's a language institute, where we get some international players who want to learn English and pursue a four-year college degree here, but they're not quite ready to step in that college-level classes. They might need some time to improve their reading, writing, listening, and, and whatnot. And so we have a tremendous program for our internationals. And so that's been a good niche for us for recruiting some of these players who want to learn English, study, pursue a college degree here while playing soccer in a competitive, great local environment. So that's been something wonderful for us. And of course, we also get the local academy kids that decide to stay in Dallas, FC Dallas. Also, we get some kids in the Houston Dynamo. We get our local kids from the Dallas high schools, which are good. And then, of course, we always find one or two players you know, playing out in the adult leagues that want to come back and pursue their degree. And we get some transfers that come back from four-year colleges that, for whatever reason, didn't work out, and they want to come back to Dallas and start over. So we have a, a fine, diverse team that people come from all over the place. So it makes my job fun because every year is kind of like a new team. But at the end, it always works out. Very satisfying and gratifying for us, and our school supports us 100%. Who might be some players that came out of Richland that made it to the professional ranks, USL or maybe even MLS? Are there any that uh, have made it that far in your 23 well, years? We had a couple go to the USL. We had a couple go USL. One of our you know, players from Bolivia, Adrian, made it to the USL. A couple kids play in the UPSL, all the PDL teams. We haven't quite had anyone break into the MLS yet, but we've had two or three players do USL. A lot of our players right now, we're transferring probably nine, ten players a year to four-year universities, you know, Division One, Division Two, NAIA, even a couple Division Three. So that's been our primary focus, which has worked out great. And, and in turn, we get more support from our administration because they see the good job that we're doing getting our kids out to four-year schools. And you're also seeing the good job that the women's program is doing. They take the double, Scott Toops, helping the women now get four titles to go with your seven titles for the men. Talk a little bit about the women's program and Coach Toops. Coach Toops did an outstanding job. I I was originally hired in 1996, so they made me director of soccer, which I oversaw the women's program. So I was 
always hiring our women's coach on, on top of that. It was always difficult because every year we had one person come in one year, two years, whatever. But when Scott came in in 2007, he's been ever since. He's been a, a great friend, a great coach, and a great colleague, and a great recruiter. Every year as well, they're competitive. They are always fighting for the national championship they're playing you know Tyler the D1 top schools and so he does a great job recruiting we get a lot of local Dallas players that that stay here and it's not easy because we have a lot more women's teams in the Dallas Metroplex and so it's it's difficult but he does a great job recruiting both programs get along wonderfully finally coaches you know United soccer coaches they do such a great job paying attention to every level of soccer out there from youth to high school to college right up to the pros and it usually means when you take home a national championship you also take home some hardware with your coaching staff talk about what that has meant uh, the times when United Soccer Coaches has recognized you and your staff? Well, it's been great. Matter of fact, I'm in the middle of registering to go to Chicago for the 19 convention. But Pat Madden, everyone over there takes great care of us in terms of giving our recognition to our players. We've had two or three players of the year. We've been ranked number one nationally at the end of the season a few times. I've been coach of the year, regional coach of the year, national coach of the year a few times. Tons of All-Americans. And every year they have to kind of find more room in our trophy case. Our equipment guy over here who does our trophy stuff, he's always looking for room to push things in and make make room for all our trophies. And so between us and the women, it's been a great recognition because our school, we're always trying to do better and they and they respect that and they want us to grow and learn and us being involved with the United Coaches is awesome. I expect to shake your hand up on that stage on Friday night when I co-host the awards banquet as well. I expect you'll win another National Coach of the Year. Great job, Sean Worley, part of the double at Richland College. Sean, thanks for being with us and congratulations. Dean, the pleasure's all mine, man. You do a great job. I'm looking forward to seeing you. You always do a great job hosting. Really, very, very done professionally. We appreciate everything you, United Coaches does, as well as, you know, Pat and Matt. We all appreciate everything. Sean Worley, we appreciate you. Thanks for the kind words. Scott Toops, the women's coach at Richland, part of that double that's only happened three times, all three times at Richland. Scott Toops, up next. Hi, folks. This is Dean Linky with a special reminder. Remember, we're less than a week away from the convention price increase. Make sure you register for the 2019 convention in Chicago by 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time next Wednesday, December 5th. That will secure the best rate on your registration and meal functions. Visit United UnitedSoccerCoachesConvention.org and register today. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. We're talking to all of our championship coaches like we do every single year. Sean Worley with a return visit, right? We talked to him back in 2016 when he won the NJCAA Division III title at the men's level for Richland College. As I told you earlier, it's only happened three times where both the men and women from the same college at the NJCAA Division III level have won the Natty, and all three times it's been the Thunder Ducks. Richland College and you heard Sean Worley say great things about Scott Toops, the head coach his second national championship with the Thunder Ducks getting it done this year and Scott Toops on the program Scott, congratulations. Thank you, yeah we had a, we had a fantastic year it, uh, 
everything just kind of clicked and worked out for us. Yeah, and the double was pretty neat, right? Because I got to believe there's a lot of uh, cohesion and and perhaps even chemistry with the men's and women's programs. That's a double celebration that's pretty special. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, our, our team's train at the same time. Our coaching staff is out there together at the same time. You know, Sean and I are great friends. I mean, we have a lot of fun together. Uh, you know, with the, with uh, us training at the same time, the, the girls and boys get to know each other. It also means they're in classes together. And so uh, it was, a good, you know, throughout the whole run, uh, I know both programs were sending messages back and forth to each other, uh, you know, watching each other's, you know, games online. You know, we, we would have a – we'd finish a game and they were playing an hour later, and so we'd all go to a restaurant and pull it up on iPads and phones and watch their games. So, yeah, we've had a, we had a good run together. Talk about uh, this team and compare it to your national championship that you won in just your second year back in 2009? Back in 2009, it seemed to be a little easier. You know, the, the national tournament was only two games. Um, you know, we had a lot of talent um, in 2009. Uh, we were a really deep team. You know, we went to our bench a lot. Uh, this team was not nearly as deep. We just were – we had some really standout players. Um, you know, the grind of having to go through the national tournament, you know, three games in four days is, is difficult. And it's, it's um, gotten us a couple years that we hadn't won it. Um, but uh, but this year's team was just fantastic. I mean, we had really good leadership this year, and that, that seems to have been the difference between this team and a couple of the other teams we felt in the past few years that could have gone on and won the whole thing and just didn't. Uh, we, really felt, we really felt like this year the biggest difference was our leadership on the field. Let's get to know Scott Toops. Scott, you grew up where? You went to college where? You ended up Richland Howe. Yeah, I'm from Dallas, Texas originally. I grew up here. Uh, I played, you know, Richland College uh, were the host to the uh, uh, Chamber Classic Soccer League, which is kind of the top boys league in Dallas, Texas. And so I grew up here in Dallas playing at Richland every single weekend. Uh, so this was like a second home to me. Graduated high school in 96. I went off to UNM, played at the University of New Mexico uh, for a couple years for the Lobos, for Klaus Weber. Uh, who was a fantastic coach, a great, great human being. And then after that, I started getting into coaching. Went off to Cisco College out in West Texas and coached there for a few years. And then, you know, the job came open at Richland. And, again, growing up here, I had a younger brother who played for Sean for two years and won two championships with Sean back in the uh, uh, early 2000s. And so uh, getting back to Richland was like coming home. Yeah, tell us about that process. When you heard the job was open and then knowing the kind of energy Sean brings, because he's always full of energy, right? You can sense it. Uh, uh, he's always excitable, and I can tell that the kids respond to it. Just talk about going through that process and, and then getting the job. You know, I actually applied for the job two years earlier, um, and, and it was given to a lady named Ashley Gordon, who was just a fantastic coach, and they made the right choice for sure, giving the job to her. And so she was here for a couple years, won a championship, and then uh, she and her husband took a job at, as a D1 coach. They went off to Texas Tech first and then over to Mississippi State. And so when the job came open a second time, uh, man, I, I did everything possible to get it. Having my younger brother play here and, and know Sean Worley, I, I made sure that I, he called Sean and, and put a good word in for me as well. Any avenue I could get to get back over here. And what is it about coaching women that you truly enjoy? Because they play some big-time soccer, right? I've enjoyed coaching girls. I, I've done boys and girls doing club stuff. The girls are fun. They, they are very coachable. We always joke that that boys already know everything, girls come to learn. So, uh, you know, getting to coach girls, it's it's going back to, you know, the basics of soccer and, and teaching them and, and the girls respond to it and, and they buy into, you know, your system. And if they believe, man, you can run with it for sure. We know you're 
you're all in Richland. Are you all in Dallas Cowboys and Dallas sports? Uh, are you all in Dallas that way? Yeah, of course, man. Cowboys fan for life, the good and the bad, that's for sure. Uh, when I was in high school, it was great because we won three championships in the four years I was in <laughs> high school. So it was it was great going, but uh, it's been a rough 20 years, I guess, since then. We're looking for some changes for sure. Well, one of the things uh, you talk about celebration, we'll for sure celebrate your success at the United Soccer Coaches Convention in Chicago. Would not be surprised if Richland also takes home the double with the National Coach of the Year awards. Uh, that's got to be fun for you. Are you looking forward to going to Chicago, maybe winning that award? Heck yeah, man. You know, going there, it's it's like a, it's like a family reunion. Getting to see, you know, your buddies, uh, everybody you've coached with and coached against. And um, and again, hanging out with Sean Worley is like, is like being with a celebrity. I mean, the guy knows everybody, and 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 everybody comes up to talk to him, and and it's uh, I'm just I'm just the the friend who gets to hang out and be with him. So I have a great time though. Well, even though Sean's you know probably standing right next to you, I'm going to put you on the spot here because uh, you just won another title. Uh, you're still a young man there. Ten years from now, do you have a, a different vision on maybe where you want to be in your coaching path? For the longest time, I thought you know I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, jump up the ranks, and and try to get to a big division two division one and i got to richland and man it it just felt like home the administration the staff was fantastic one one thing i realized when i came here and i I got to meet the coaches is that you know sean had already been here for 12 13 years the volleyball coach had been here for 10 years the baseball coach had been here for 12 years a lot of our pe faculty were the coaches of our basketball and and wrestling teams back in the 70s and 80s Uh, so people come to richland and they stay a long time and man anywhere coaches stick around it means the good things are happening because i mean coaches are notorious for jumping ship and so uh you know the more i got to know the other coaches and the other faculty and realize that they're here because richland is a good good place to be i wanted to make this my home uh so yeah in 10 years from now i always tell sean they're gonna have to bury me out at the field um because <laughs> i'm gonna be here forever it's true then once a thunder duck always a thunder duck right heck yeah man yeah you know you gotta embrace the thunder duck <laughs> indeed double embrace women and men taking home the championship sean Worley for the men scott toops for the women scott great to meet you look forward to seeing you up on that stage on friday night uh, as part of the awards banquet okay Hey, thank you, man. Appreciate you having us on here. You do a fantastic job. We've enjoyed listening to the podcast, and and, uh, I've enjoyed when Sean gets on there and spills some stories and information with you. There you have it. We talked to all four NJCAA National Championship coaches. We also spent time with Dave Nolan, the head coach for the Georgetown women. They're in the College Cup. They faced North Carolina on Friday. And Sasho Sarosky, his Maryland Terrapins men's soccer team in the Elite Eight for the 12th time in 26 years. He was also on the program. I want to thank Mike Knipper, Sean Chevrel, and all the great folks with United Soccer Coaches. We'll be back next week to talk to all of the champions, D2, D3, D1, even NAIA. That's how we do it on our United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. United Soccer Coaches provides programs and services that enhance, encourage, and contribute to the development and recognition of soccer coaches, their players, and the game we love. Join today. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join.